What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. This is Austin, your host for the ad space. And luckily, uh, now we have one sponsor for this podcast, which is awesome. Now I don't have to read you like 10 things, which means you don't get to hang out with me at the beginning of the podcast for as long. But that's okay because the podcast is for you, not for me. But I'm just being selfish, I guess. But anyway, uh, that sponsor is Black Rifle Coffee. And because of uh, Evans and Mike's relationship, they they go way back, you know, working together. And because of their relationship, now we have an awesome business relationship where I get to just hang out with a bunch of cool guys and cool dudes and cool gals and do cool stuff, which is awesome and fun for all of us here at the company. But uh, it's going to turn into some awesome content for all of you. So stay tuned for all of that. It's going to be rolling out big in 2022. Um, like free fall jumps, C-130s, hunting, fishing, crazy stuff. It's it's going to be epic, so stay tuned for it. But I want to talk to you about the Black Rifle Coffee Club membership. So I've never been a huge coffee drinker myself, but uh, you know, once we started talking with them about it, I was like, all right, I'll try it out, and then hopped on the coffee club. And I got to admit, you know, I've become an addict just like the rest of you. I don't judge you, you don't judge me, and we'll get through it together, but it's okay because their coffee is awesome. Uh, I'm just getting over this like atomic cold. I don't know what else to call it. It wasn't the vid, it wasn't anything else. It was just like a head cold. Maybe it's just the man cold, but I'm going to call it the atomic cold because it sounds cool. But uh, luckily I had a little bit of freedom roast and it helped warm me up over Christmas. Uh, And I think it even maybe kept me alive because I was just like super dreary, but it made it a lot better because I was able to be awake and caffeinated throughout the day at least. So check out the coffee club because you can sign up, you can get uh, the little Keurigs, you can get um, uh, the beans, you can get already the ground beans if you want, whatever version of that you want, however frequently you want it, which is kind of cool because I don't drink a ton of coffee. It's easy for me to set it up where I only have to get it once every couple weeks and that sustains me throughout the month. And it's just kind of the way to go for me personally. So we do have a coupon for you and that is craft 15 C R A F T 15 one five. And that will save you 15% when you set up the coffee club membership for the first time. So check it out, uh, head over to blackriflecoffee.com. Uh, go click on the tab that's for the coffee club. Uh, see what coffees you like. You can pick from a lighter roast, darker roast, whatever you want. Uh, I guarantee you guys, you will be happy with it. Head over to blackriflecoffee.com and check out the coffee club. If you're listening to this, you probably heard of Survival Kits and Coffee, which is a course that Fieldcraft Survival has put on a couple times. Maybe you've heard of Coffee and Go Rigs, which is a course we've put on even more. Well, what I want to do today is I want to talk about the survival kit side of things. I want to talk about survival kits in general and the ones in particular that you can carry inside your pocket. Guys, this is Kevin Estella with Fieldcraft Survival. I'm the director of training. You might know me from the 72-hour challenge or some of the crazy, crazy stuff that we've done here, maybe from the Ricky hunt, maybe from repelling off the roof of Petzl or some of the other stuff that Mike Glover, my boss, my buddy, my friend, my fellow Asian uh, has asked me to do. Well, Mike has said in the past that your vehicle is an extension of your backpack and true words have never been spoken. I mean, you can definitely carry more water inside the trunk of your car than you can inside of your backpack. You can definitely live a lot longer out of your vehicle and travel further and faster with a good vehicle than you can with just your feet. But if it's true going one way, right, where your vehicle is an extension of your backpack, it has to be true the other way that your backpack is an extension of something 
Well, your backpack's an extension of what you carry on your person, on your belt, and in your pockets. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about that very, very final layer, that that first line of gear that you go to in your everyday carry loadout. And if you're not already carrying a pocket emergency kit or a pocket survival kit, I'm going to encourage you to do just that. Coffee and survival kits is a course that we've offered a couple times here at Fieldcraft, and it's been really, really popular. And I love the engagement that we have with the attendees. I bring out ideas of pocket emergency kits that have morphed in my own personal everyday carry for the past two decades. And I also get a chance to talk to people about what they carry and why. I'll tell you, I've learned a lot from students over the years, and I found that there are so many items that make sense for some people, but not everyone. But then there's something every so often that a student says, hey, check this out. And I immediately throw it into my kit because it just makes sense. It's something that balances uh, a solution for what's both possible and probable. Well, kind of kick this off. Let's talk about these pocket emergency kits or pocket survival kits. If you look at books from the 20th century, you're probably going to see examples of various survival tins. And I'm talking about like the lofty Wiseman British SAS survival guide. I mean, has an example of a pocket survival kit that you can carry. They, instead of calling flashlights, flashlights, they call them torches, right? And the way that British people (laughs) refer to things like that. But long before the pocket survival kit that became really popular in the 20th century, we could look at the possibles pouches of long hunters and outdoorsmen and frontiersmen from the 19th and 18th century. So if you look at what they carry, they carried items that made sense that were frequently used, right? They carried spare ammunition, maybe a fire starter, a spare knife, cordage. Um, These were all items that those early men decided were valuable. Well, now we move back forward to the 20th century and we look at the items that were carried in those pocket survival tins. And we see that as technology improved, the items got smaller and smaller, kind of like the way that cell phones get smaller. I mean, if you remember early 2000s, we had those razor phones that were super, super thin. But then as technology improved and we wanted bigger screens and more capability, the phone had to get bigger. Well, your pocket survival kit should contain the best solutions for different problems that you may or may not have. Um, again, we're trying to balance what's possible with what's probable. Um, I'll simply say this. I've been carrying items in my pocket to deal with different problems for many years. Ever since I was a little kid, I would throw things in my pocket, like a, a few bandages and some safety pins. I mean, I grew up watching MacGyver and I get it. Like the dude was anti-gun and the actor that played him was anti-gun, but I still like the idea that that character solved many problems with a few resources. He learned to be very resourceful with just a few things that he had. So yeah, I carried a Swiss army knife. I still carry a freaking Swiss army knife to this day. And the pocket items that you carry are not designed to be your final, final option. They're not designed to be the only thing that you have. They're designed to supplement the other things that you have in your backpack and in your vehicle. Just keep in mind that you may not be able to get to your backpack or vehicle, so you want to have certain things on you. Now, somewhere in, I'd say the late 90s, early 2000s, I became well aware of uh, a guy named Doug Ritter. Now, Doug Ritter is a guy that I plan on having on the podcast, And Doug Ritter ran an organization or runs an organization called Equipped to Survive. And this is where I learned 
about his micro pocket survival kit. And if you look at this thing, he took a, a tin that's roughly the size of an Altoids tin and he jam packed it filled with scalpel blades, uh, a small pencil, writing paper, um, a fire starter, fishing equipment. I mean, he had it so tightly packed, there really wasn't room for much anything else. And in that tin, he held it together with a little bit of paracord and some electrical tape. Well, when I was a kid or a teenager, I got inspired by that. And I said, I'm going to start carrying some items in a dedicated container. So it started off simple. It started off with a Ziploc bag and I threw a few items in there and I threw it inside my jacket pocket and I carried that every single day. And then I realized that Ziploc bag just wasn't going to hold up going in and out of my, my jacket every single day. And over time, the contents of the kit, were going to abrade the, the jacket, I'm sorry, abrade the, the pouch and I was going to lose them. So I was like, I need a better solution. So I started looking at Altoids tins like everyone did. But then eventually I said, you know, I want more capacity than just the Altoids tin. So I eventually settled on like an old uh, military decontamination container and that held everything I needed. Um, you know, the container selection is something that I think we, we should start off with talking about. Number one, what pocket is it going into? That's a question you have to ask. There are some great pocket kits that you can make out of an Altoids tin and Altoids tins do fit easily inside of your, your pants pockets, but you got to ask yourself, what are the limitations of that container? What can I actually carry in there? Um, do I want to jam pack it where if I use an item, it's going to take me a day and a half to kind of reorganize how I put it into that container? Or do you want something that's kind of loosely packed where you can access the items, use what you need, and then eventually, you know, repack them easily. So I think that's a major, major consideration. What container are you using? Um, you know, you got to ask yourself, is your container water resistant? And by water, I should really say moisture, because if you have something in your pocket and you're sweating like crazy in the summer, your own body moisture will eventually destroy the contents of the kit. But also, is it going to stand up to the rain? Is it going to stand up to accidentally getting dunked? Um, there are some great kits out there that are made out of heavy duty plastic bags, like the Alox sack or Alex sack bags, but then also small Pelican cases. But realize when you start getting into the Pelican cases, you're adding bulk. Um, another question you want to ask is how durable is the container that you're using? Um, yeah, I use that army decontamination kit for a very, very long time. Super, super durable, very heavy. Um, but the fail point on that was the lid itself. Um, if I dropped it, it could, it could open up. So, uh, you got to protect your contents. You don't want to lose them. Another consideration is how do you want to be organized? Um, right now, one of the pockets for kits that I have is made out of a small Kafaru pullout sack. And that pullout has small, uh, zip Ziploc bags in it. And I can easily look through the contents and say, all right, that's the fire kit. That's a tools kit. That's this and that you want to ask yourself, how organized do you need to be? Um, because with organization, you'll be able to access certain items quicker than others. And if you can do that, then you will be more efficient and you're not going to waste time. And if there's something in there that you have to get to like right now, then you probably want to be organized with a way to access something and identify it quickly. Well, another consideration and this, remember, this is just talking about the container. We're not even getting into the specific uh, categories yet is how comfortable do you need that container to be? I carry every single day to Fieldcraft 
a pistol, a fixed blade. I carry a Swiss army knife, a flashlight, my wallet. I carry a lot of stuff in my pockets and this is year round. Like it is a true EDC. If I throw a heavy, heavy, bulky container in my pocket, I'm going to feel it. It's not going to be comfortable. So I got to find a way to carry certain items on me that uh, will be comfortable that I'm actually going to want to carry it. And I'm not going to leave it at home because it's not going to do me any damn good if it's on my kitchen counter. Yeah. Another consideration that you uh, might want to think about is what items in your kit do you have that could substitute for a dedicated container until they're needed for something else? Um, a lot of my friends will build survival kits or emergency kits out of a Nalgene bottle because they're able to stuff that bottle, uh, with the items that they need. And then the bottle will keep it water resistant, super, super durable Lexan. Um, but then if they need the contents of the bottle, they'll include like a small stuff sack where they could put the items in the stuff sack, fill up the bottle with water and go to town like that. So guys, there's a lot of considerations with just the container that you, you select for your kit. Um, I mean, there's some amazing, amazing options out there. If you go through like a, like a department store and you take a look at like the jewelry section or the, the, uh, cosmetic section, you're going to find all sorts of little containers for valuables and makeup and whatnot, which make great containers for fish hooks or great containers for, um, other items that are easily lost, right? So don't just look at a container for what came in it. Look at it in a way that you can repurpose it to carry other supplies that make sense for a pocket emergency kit. Now, um, Back in the day when I worked at the Wilderness Learning Center, my late mentor, Marty, Marty was like a genius when it came to different items that you could carry emergency kits in. Um, Marty used to take old chapstick containers and when the chapstick would run out, he would put Vaseline cotton balls inside the chapstick container, pack it all the way down and then rescrew it. And then that way, when he needed Vaseline and cotton, he had a way of carrying it where it wouldn't get all your pockets all greasy, but then he also could twist the container, uh, that little screw on the bottom and push out as much Vaseline and cotton as was needed Could pull it out, use it and put everything back. So, I mean, the guy was a genius when it came to different ways of using different items. Uh, even something as simple as a waxed milk carton can be repurposed for a kit. That's very water resistant. Um, maybe it's not your your go-to kit, but maybe you have other items that you're, you're storing inside of bins. Well, you can always repurpose waxed containers. So in case that water resistant bin does collect an inch of water at the bottom, your wax container will keep those items from getting wet. All right. Now you've got the container figured out. Hopefully you have the container figured out. Now you have to ask yourself, what exactly am I going to put in that thing? Um, let's recap the rule of threes. In the wilderness survival community, most people know that you need oxygen going through your body for, you know, to, to keep your, your life going, right? You needed, your body can survive three minutes without oxygenated blood going through it. That's what I should say. Well, that's part of the rule of threes. You can survive about three hours exposed to the elements without good shelter. You can survive about three days without water and about three weeks without food. Now, remember, these are all averages and you may be right on that bell curve, or you might be on the left or the right hand side of it, depending on you. Um, so what we should do is we should think about the contents of our pocket survival kits in terms of the rule of threes. First thing that I'm going to recommend is if you do have any medication that you absolutely have to take on a daily basis, 
throw that into your pocket survival kit. Um, one thing that you might want to do is if you have a friend or if you have access to a food saver, vacuum saver, experiment making small baggies with the scraps of your food saver. You'll find that you are able to vacuum pack very, very small two inch by two inch squares. And all you got to do is just play with the seal and then the vacuum and seal functions of your vacuum saver. And you'll be able to repack items that are super essential to your life, right? And in this case, we're talking about medicine that you definitely could, uh, you could definitely use. So after your meds, think about some of the most difficult, some of the most difficult things that you can do in the great outdoors. Almost everyone's mind will jump right to fire. Now, guys, I'm skilled with friction fire techniques, but I still carry a Bic lighter and a ferro rod as part of my EDC. The, the reason being, I don't want to have to fall back on uh, using friction fire techniques. I mean, I, I've spent many years in martial arts learning how to strike and grapple, and, and I'm proficient with both. I don't want to have to use lesser technology against a mob of people. I'd rather be able to run, or if I did have to fight, I'd rather draw my pistol and use that. Um, just because we can do something doesn't mean we should always have to do that. And I'm a firm believer that we should pack to our weaknesses. Now we don't have the ability to make fire easily with the human body. So let's pack a couple tools that make sense. First thing I'm gonna recommend for your pocket emergency kit is a miniature Bic lighter. Now a standard Bic will give you 1,000 one second fires. A miniature Bic, significantly fewer, but you can still say that you can make hundreds of fires with a mini Bic lighter. When you get your mini Bic lighter, you can do a couple things to it to improve your odds of it working in your favor. Number one, remove that stupid ash child lock that's on it. What I'm talking about is there's a band of metal that goes over your Bic lighter wheel. And if you take a small screwdriver, you can pop that right off, which will make it easier to use with your, with your fingers. The other thing is you got to protect that gas valve and you can use either a uh, small rubber washer or a small cable tie and you can put it underneath the lip that is on that gas valve. Now, if you do that, that'll prevent it from accidentally discharging inside of your pocket emergency kit. So you'll always have a lighter when you, when you need it. Now, even if your lighter does go out, you should have some type of tinder in your pocket emergency kit or pocket survival kit. Um, because you can use that lighter's flint, um, that little sparking wheel to ignite your tinder. Um, now that tinder can be any number of things. It can be pre-made, right? Purchased from either like ProCamp Tech, ExoTac, um, you know, stay outside longer, SOL, or you can just make your own, which is a Vaseline and cotton. Now, if you don't want that to take up a lot of space and get everything gunky with Vaseline, take that tinder, shove it inside of a large straw clamp the ends and burn the ends um, with, with heated forceps and you'll have a fire straw that you can cut into, break open, and now you have tinder that is not going to get your gear all messed up and it's going to keep it super dry. Um, one thing I should probably bring up, I've been using the words pocket emergency kit and pocket survival kit kind of back and forth. At the Wilderness Learning Center, Marty used to always talk about how you should consider your kit an emergency kit don't look at it as a survival kit because emergencies are short term and you should have a solution to them. He said a survival kit, it's really your life on the line, right? So if we are planning for emergencies, we'll address them become before they become true survival scenarios. And that's how I tend to look at them too. 
but let's face it, survival kit sells more. It's more marketable than emergency kit. All right. Other fire things that you might want to carry a small ferro rod. Um, ferro rods will light thousands of fires. Now, if given a choice between Bic lighter or ferro rod, I'm probably going to go with the Bic lighter first because the Bic lighter goes right to flame. And I don't want a middleman. I don't want to have to scrape tinder or scrape my, my ferro rod into tinder. I want to go right, right to flame. Um, now other things, other things, other things, um, the ferro rod's great for starting fire, but it's also great for an emergency light. So if I look to my left and I scrape my ferro rod to the right, it'll illuminate my area with a, like a blink, like a flash, and it'll give me an idea of where I am. I can also use it as a signaling device as the sparks are super white, uh, white hot, and they can be seen for over a mile away. Other things that you might want to carry or, or consider, um, you know, you've got emergency candles for your, your birthday cake or not emergency candles. Uh, you've got the, uh, trick candles for your birthday cake. Well, they work great in an emergency because the same way that they don't blow out when you're trying to blow them out and they're constantly relighting. If you do get one lit, you can put it, uh, into your fire. And if the wind blows it out, it's going to relight itself, right? So it's not a bad idea to use emergency trick can or trick candles, uh, in an emergency. All right. Other things that you might want to throw into your uh, emergency kit, some type of cutting tool, some type of blade. For years, hardback razors um, were found in survival kits, emergency kits. They're super inexpensive. They pack flat. You can get them at hardware stores. Um, the only problem is they're super hard to handle, right? Without a dedicated handle, they you got to pinch them between two fingers and they don't really stand up to heavy duty use. Uh, you can also get scalpels, which are even smaller profile, but again, not the easiest thing in the world to use to hold on to, uh, super, super sharp. Something else that's a cutting tool that you might want to throw into your pocket emergency kit is a section of hacksaw blade. I can't tell you if you'll ever need to cut metal, but if you do need to cut it, you will have some option. And even if it takes a long time, it's better than trying to break metal or, or cut it with something that's not going to do the job. Um, and keep in mind, as long as you score metal, you can compromise it and you can sometimes bend it and break it. So, uh, the hacksaw blade is not a bad idea. Uh, now there are all sorts of other knives or small multi-tools you can throw into a pocket emergency kit, um, Swiss army knives, Leatherman's, but realize that they do take up space, right? You can always fashion a handle. Uh, you can always break off the handle scales on a Swiss army knife to make it thinner, but you still have the blade, the scissors, the file, right? So you guys will have to decide what makes sense for you and how much space you have. Uh, if you have disposable income and you don't mind spending a little bit of money, you can get a custom design from a knife maker that has designed it to fit inside of a PSK. Now, Doug Ritter came up with a knife that does just that, uh, that's sold through Columbia river knife and tool. Dave Wenger came up with the AFID. Um, there's all sorts of knives that, that are out there that, that fit the bill. All right. Another thing that is very difficult to fashion in the great outdoors and you might want to think about adding it to your pocket survival kit is some type of cordage. Um, dental floss. Next time you go to the dentist and you get a checkup and they give you those free samples, take that dental floss out of the little sample pack, keep the little spool. It fits great into a pocket emergency kit. Multi-use item. You can use it for sewing thread. You can use it for your teeth. You can use it for uh, securing items. It's actually really, really strong. Uh, something that probably is at the upper end of the quarter spectrum for strength is Kevlar thread. You can buy it as Kevlar kite string. It is heat resistant. 
It is uh, very, very durable, but it does uh, want to come unraveled on you. It's it's braided, so you just got to be be careful how you store it. Of course, I can't talk about cordage without talking about 550 paracord. 550 paracord is like the industry standard. You got seven inch strands. Uh, make sure when you buy 550 paracord, you're buying authentic 550 paracord. You're not buying 550 style because many times that shit is just garbage. Uh, it's just filled with a filament and it's it's not as strong. Um, other types of stuff that you might want to have on you for cord cordage, sewing thread and needles. You can use the sewing thread and needles for repairs and the needles can also be used to make various barbs for fishing spears. So multi-use items. And whenever you're uh, planning and packing all your, your survival kit items, try to find multi-use items. Uh, that's what's going to make the most sense. Uh, fishing line goes a long way. Um, you will never, ever, ever, mark my word, never find a natural fiber in the great outdoors that works as well as man-made braided spider wire. Uh, get the 30 or 50 pound braided fishing line. If you catch a fish with 30 or 50 pound braided line and it breaks the line, uh, try catching it again, keep it. And when you get out of your emergency, you will be the most famous fisherman in the world because you just caught a fish that probably doesn't exist in freshwater. So get yourself some braided uh, spider wire line, some really, really good stuff. All right, back to the rule of threes. Um, we got to talk about water, right? We got to talk about how we can use something that we fit in our pocket to, well, not find water, but to collect water, treat it and carry it. So what we used to use at the wilderness learning center were Reynolds oven bags. Reynolds oven bags are fantastic water containers compared to what used to be carried in pocket survival kits, which were unlubricated condoms, Reynolds oven bags fill up much more. They are heat resistant, which we all remember from high school. Condoms, don't carry them in your wallet because it's too hot and they deteriorate. Well, what about carrying a bag that's meant to be thrown in the oven, right? Um, so Reynolds oven bags are great and you can use them for, for water collection, purification, and storage. My favorite tablets to use with the Reynolds oven bags are aqua tabs. That's what I used on the 72 hour challenge that I did in Spanish fork. They're approved by the world health organization and they've only got about 30 minutes wait time between the time that you throw them in the water and the time that you drink the water, uh, compare that to MP one tablets, which by the way, I recommend they're great tablets. Uh, they're sealed really well in foil, but they take a significantly longer time to get your water from untreated to treated. So in addition to the water purification stuff, you might want to carry water additives in your pocket emergency kit. You may want to carry some type of electrolyte replacement or even coffee. Um, again, Black Rifle Coffee makes instant coffee that I love. I bring it on all my courses and trips. You guys will maybe think of something that you can throw in there to treat the water flavor, uh, make it something better. All right. Another thing that you might want to consider for your pocket emergency kit is, or I should say, are, are tools that help you navigate and provide information. Button compasses, they're very reliable for general uh, orienteering. You're probably not going to navigate too far with them, but they will tell you the cardinal directions. Write and rain paper makes sense because it's water resistant and a good pencil can be sharpened in the field. 
So carry a small golf pencil. Um, you don't have to worry about the ink not working on you. Just carry a pencil. A Fresnel lens will help you in a couple different ways. Number one, see small details on a map more clearly. And most of the time, these work in the summer. Some of the time, <laughs> uh, you can use a Fresnel lens in the summer, a magnifying lens to get a fire going. But when the sun is close to the earth or the earth is close to the sun and when it's strong, uh, it's not as easy in the winter, although it is possible. Uh, a couple other things you might want to throw in there. You might want to have an in case of emergency card. So an ice card is something you should have in your vehicle already that notifies the person responding who will probably be rifling through your kit uh, looking for that of any known allergies, of any known medications, medical conditions, emergency contacts, and so forth. Um, good idea to keep that in your in your pocket emergency kit. Um, and depending where you go, uh, this next item is something that you may or may not want to have, but I know some people do like the peace of mind that carrying a flash drive gives them. With a flash drive, you can keep a lot of information on an electronic device, but as you're already probably thinking that an electronic device is prone to moisture damage, prone to failing. So if you are going to carry one, I highly recommend that you guys carry it in a way that's going to protect it. Um, I've even known some folks to take rubber balloons, shove the flash drive inside of there, tie a knot around the rubber balloon, and you're good to go, right? Water resistant. All right. Next up, pocket emergency kit. If you want to address survival emergencies that are going to last about upwards of 72 hours, right? Nine out of 10 emergencies last about 72 hours. You want to be able to signal for help so that emergency does uh, expire after 72 hours. So what I'm going to recommend is carry some signaling devices. A whistle cannot be overblown. Um, back in 2007, I was part of a study at the Wilderness Learning Center, and I tried yelling at the top of my lungs next to a decibel meter. Then we had a whole bunch of whistles. Every time I yelled, my output became quieter and quieter, and I had laryngitis for two days. Uh, the whistle could not be overblown. So get a good whistle, get a mirror, throw that into your kit, realize that glass is going to signal better than anything else. So you can decide if you want a dedicated signal mirror, or you just want a piece of glass that, uh, you know, hopefully is shatter resistant and you'll find that the glass is going to signal. Well, last thing that you might want to have in there for signaling is flagging tape. Flagging tape can be spotted contrasting against the backdrop uh, pretty far away. Flagging tape can be used to mark your trail. Uh, let's say that you do get lost in the woods, you can use flagging tape to mark your position. Or if you're going to scout looking for uh, where you got lost, you can mark your way back to uh, your base camp essentially, right? So flagging tape works great. Um, there's some other stuff that you might want to throw into your kit. Like these are just kind of like the, oh yeah, you know, I should have thought of that item or maybe you have thought of them. Duct tape. You can roll duct tape on an old credit card. You can roll duct tape on itself. Duct tape has a 101 uses for repairs. Uh, you can patch with it. You can mend with it. You can secure with it. A little squeeze LED light is going to light up your immediate area. This won't replace the Surefire that's probably in your pocket, but it will save the battery of that Surefire if you do need to signal with it. That little LED light will help you kind of light up your immediate area, find what you need, um, help you read in the dark, but it's not going to be your do all end all light. Um, if you are law enforcement or military, you might want to consider carrying a handcuff key. Um, 
if you're a civilian and you feel like there is a need to carry a handcuff key, like maybe there's a chance that you will get, um, you know, taken, you might want to have a handcuff key on you, but then again, you may not want to carry it in something that's easily found and discovered. You might want to carry it more discreetly. Spare cash makes sense. Uh, keeping a couple $20 bills in your, your kit might be able to get you back to civilization. If you have to pay someone off safety pins, cable ties, all really, really good, good ideas. Um, and then on top of that, you can carry some medical stuff, right? You can carry things like knuckle bandages and steri strips to treat wounds, Tylenol, ibuprofen for pain, Imodium for diarrhea, Benadryl for any allergies that you, you encounter. And you probably won't be able to fit these items into your kit to adjust shelter, but you can carry a good emergency blanket, like an AMK heat sheet, or a better option yet is the um, SOL bivy, because emergency blankets have a tendency of flapping in the wind and getting out from underneath you. But once you get inside the bivy, it it keeps you much warmer because you're not dealing with spaces that are going to be uh, compromised by the wind. Um, a disposable poncho, you can carry the heat sheet and a poncho kind of stacked on top of each other. And then your emergency kit on top of that, the whole thing will fit inside of a small, uh, belt pouch or BDU pocket, definitely your jacket pocket. So those are some of the items that you might want to carry for shelter. You may even want to throw a couple of hand warmers in there. Um, uh, but now we're starting to get beyond like basic pocket needs and the kits getting into something a little bit larger. So I'll let you guys decide what's, what's right and what's wrong. Um, there's all different things that you can, you can carry. I'm going to encourage you guys to take a look at Doug Ritter's site, equipped to survive, uh, take a look at adventure medical kits, uh, take a look at yellow birch outfitters. They make some really cool products. They have a whole bunch of kit items, uh, Fieldcraft survival. Obviously we've got some survival kit items. Um, and in this whole process, realize there are four P's. This comes directly from Marty. Four P's when it comes to your survival kits. You need to plan it. You need to think about what conditions and what environment you're in um, and what you're going to need the kit for. Then you need to pick the items and you need to spend some time picking the best items, right? You only get one chance at this. Um, you should fit the items that you pick to the kit. Um, the other thing is you want to practice with it. So plan it, pick it, practice it. In this case, what you should do is you should buy two of everything. You should have one kit that you store and you should have another kit that you practice with. The last thing is you need to find a way to pack your kit. As I mentioned earlier, you could throw it into a front pocket of your pants. You could throw it into a jacket pocket. You could throw it into a belt pouch. Just make sure that you're carrying it consistently. Um, the worst feeling in the world is when you realize you need something, you don't have it. A couple other things before I kind of wrap this up, there are many different factors that you need to think about when it comes to your survival kits. One seasonal two, environmental. My kit changes as the environment I'm in changes. It also changes with the seasons. Summertime, I can get away with a lot of small items because I'm going to be using my bare hands in the winter. I'm going to have gloves on. You should absolutely make sure that you're testing your kit before you need to test it in the field for real. Try the items with your kit. Can you access the small folding blades on your pocket knives or do you want to carry a fixed blade? I'd recommend that you should definitely carry a fixed blade. Um, there's other things too, right? Like 
we're talking about pocket survival kits. Well, what's the pocket that you're carrying it in? Your clothing should be part of your survival kit. You should never leave your house unless you have clothes that you can spend the night in. And realize that your pocket survival kit is in a constant state of change. You are probably going to be traveling from different environments. So there will be some items that make sense to carry when you're out in the woods that you might have an urban pocket survival kit. You might have a pocket survival kit that you carry on a plane that doesn't have anything that's restricted by TSA. So there's all sorts of different different things that you can do with your pocket emergency kit. But at the very least, you should be able to build a fire. You should be able to signal for help. You should be able to purify water. You should be able to navigate to civilization. You should be able to construct a shelter. You should be able to take care of some basic first aid, right? Those are all things that you should be able to do with your pocket survival kit. Something that you may want to think about and again, this, there's all sorts of different considerations here. And if this podcast hasn't given you some kind of guidance or some motivation, uh, I, I encourage you guys to come out to these events that we hold, because when you see the items, you'll be like, you know what? I can carry that. Another thing that you may want to think about with your pocket emergency kit is, do you carry anything in that kit to sustain other items that are carried on your person? Do you carry a spare battery for your high-powered flashlight? Do you carry a sharpening stone for the knife that's on your belt? Your pocket emergency kit may end up being more of like a possibles pouch, kind of like the possibles pouch that the long hunters had. You may want to think about that because that's totally, totally plausible. Um, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Your pocket survival kit could include toilet paper. Um, there are plenty of times that I've been in the woods where I've seriously contemplated sacrificing a sock. So seriously think about what you may want to carry um, and make sure that you are, you're practicing with all your gear. All I can say at this point is you have a choice now and hopefully I've made you aware. Hopefully you've been taking some notes. Hopefully you've been kind of preparing some ideas of, Hey, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to get this and I'm going to go get that. But ultimately, you're going to be the person that decides if you carry something that could save a life, and maybe that life will be your own. Um, I can't do that for you. I can tell you every single day, I feel naked if I don't put certain things in my pockets before I leave my house. I, it's become a routine. Swiss Army knife and ferro rod, right front pocket, lighter left front pocket, bandana back pocket. Um, I can tell you about pistols and knives and things like that pocket emergency kit is always with me. And there have been so many times that I've had to rely on it. Um, I mean, shortly after I kind of got into the whole idea of carrying these emergency kits for things that may happen, I took a solo trip to Maine and I was at a campground with coin operated showers. I lost the keys to my vehicle, uh, over the back of a wall at a coin operated shower inside of like my toiletry kit. I went into my pocket survival kit that was in my pants hanging up inside the shower and I grabbed a large fish hook, which can also be used as a gaff. And I grabbed some paracord. I kind of braced myself against the wall, looked over and I was able to fish the toiletry kit out from behind the wall and get to my, get to my keys. Now, if you think about it, that wasn't truly an emergency. It was something that needed to be done. And it probably could have been very inconvenient for me to travel back to the campground, get someone, come back, right? How would I have been able to do that if, uh, I mean, I would have had to walk, but 
if I had to walk, would have taken a lot of time or I could have relied on myself and the resources that I had, right? I could be resourceful with limited resources than relying on someone else. And that kind of brings me to this last point. There's an expression that my circle of friends we use and it's, if not, then if not you, then who, right? Think about that one for a second. If not you, then who? I want you to think about the items that you can carry that someone else may not carry in your group. I want you to think about your family. Does your family carry fire starters? Does your family carry things to address boo-boos? And would they know how to be able to procure food without certain items like fish hooks and fishing line? I'm going to encourage you guys to be the person who is the capable one, right? I'm going to encourage you to be capable from your pockets onto that pack, onto your vehicle. And once you become capable, I'll encourage you guys to make a kit and give it to someone so they can understand the value and they can feel how good it feels uh, to be a capable person, to have a solution when no one else does. That's really, really something that I believe is a virtue, right? I think self-reliance and preparedness is a virtue. And just as I was a little kid and I felt good having a solution when I could pull something out of my pocket and solve a problem, as an adult with decades of experience, I'll tell you, it hasn't, that feeling hasn't changed. It only gets better. So guys, pocket survival kits, uh, pocket emergency kits, there's a lot of great resources out there. Please come down to one of our courses, our survival kits and coffee class. If you see me at any of the, the courses or you bump into me in HQ, challenge me, ask me on the spot to present my pocket emergency kit. I'm not going to fail you. I guarantee I'll have something on me. So uh, my question to you is, will you? All right, guys, I'm Kevin Estella with Fieldcraft Survival. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys have any questions, you can hit me up on social media at Estella Wild Ed on Instagram, or you can email me directly at Fieldcraft, Estella at FieldcraftSurvival.com. I will answer every single question. If you send me a bunch of like stupid forwards, I may just look at it. I might not even like it, <laughs> but if you ask me a question, you'll get an answer. All right, guys, get out there, keep training, and uh, hopefully you become a more capable version of yourself.